Well, I'm truly honored to be able to stand here before you this morning, and for those of you who are aware of the situation I'm going through and my family and my life, uh, you can appreciate that even more so. I am honored to be able to stand here before you today. I also want to uh, say that you are an unusual church, and I mean that in the best sense, (laughs) (laughs) but you truly are, uh, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. (laughs) I knew this would happen. For your love and your support and your prayers. You never know how much that means to me and my family. So thank you. That's all I have to offer, but I want to say thank you. Let's pray again. (sighs) Heavenly Father, today I have been asked to do something I cannot do. And so I need your help. I need you to take control of my emotions, my mind, my words. Physically, I need your assistance. And so, Father, I pray that this will be a powerful moment. And not because of me, but because of you. Not because I have prepared and have a sermon, but because your spirit and your word make it powerful. So, Father, I pray that each one of us will be prepared to hear and heed and obey what you have prepared for us today. For it's in Jesus' name I do ask. Amen. There are times in life when life simply makes no sense. And you know, in life, we not only expect that, but we accept it. That there are going to be periods of time when things just don't make any sense. But in one area of our life, we think that it should always make sense. And that is in our relationship with God. That God should always make everything clear to us. That God should always lay everything out so that we can make perfect sense of everything that is going on. And we can see clearly what he has for us to do. But I'm going to tell you something today that you may not agree with. There's times when God doesn't make sense. Now, I believe the prophet Isaiah gives us a little insight to why that may be. In 55, 8, he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You see, I want to clarify something today. It always makes sense to God. God has a plan. He has a purpose. His will is going to be fulfilled. It just doesn't make sense to us because we have finite minds. 
we don't always see the end at the beginning. But God's working through us and in us. So what do you do when God doesn't make sense? Well, two verses that have meant a great deal to me over the years, and I have looked to many times in my life, I think give us the answer. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, you know God has called you to do something, and he's made it clear to you what it is he wants you to do. And so you begin to think about it, you begin to look at it, and you see this path. And this path makes perfect sense to you. So you think, this has to be the way God wants me to go. This is the way God wants me to do this. This is a method in which God wants me to use. But then there's another path. For whatever reason, you feel like God's pushing you in that direction. But you look at that path and you think, wait a minute, that path makes no sense. That can't be God. But you pray about it and you begin to seek God and in every step, God's pushing you in that direction. Even though it makes no sense to you. Let me give you just a few illustrations from the Bible where God asks people to do things that just didn't make any sense. Abraham was promised a son. At 99 years of age, God gave him that son. After Isaac came, one day God came to Abraham and said, Take this son to a mountain I'm going to show you and sacrifice him there. I can tell you that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? God had made him a promise. He's going to fulfill this promise, but yet the son in which God gave him to fulfill this promise through, he's being asked to sacrifice. How about Joshua? Joshua crosses the Jordan River into the promised land. When he gets over there, the first city he comes to, the city of Jericho, it's this huge fortified city. And I'm sure Joshua sat down with his leaders and they began to strategize on how they're going to knock this wall down, how they're going to get in there. And God says, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to go for a walk around the wall several times a day, seven days. And then I want you to make a bunch of noise. Well, that probably didn't make a whole lot of sense to Joshua because they'd never used that strategy before. But guess what? He obeyed and the walls came down. You know, I think about the disciples as Jesus began to share with them what his purpose was and how he's going to go about doing it. He probably looked at them and said, hey guys, listen, I've come that I may save the world. The way I'm going to do that is I'm going to die. And I'm going to be buried and I'm going to raise from the grave, rise from the grave. And then I'm going to send into heaven. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. And then I'm going to use you as the vessels to help change the world. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to them then. Guys, for us, we have the benefit of hindsight. So we look back and we see those things. And it makes sense to us now, but not to them. You know, we could go on and on. The angel appeared to Joseph and Mary and began to tell Mary... And Joseph, how they're going to have a child, even though Mary had never been with a man. 
Didn't make a whole lot of sense, did it? But it was God's way. So what do you do when God doesn't make sense? Well, these two verses gives us the perfect plan. And I just want to share briefly with you what this plan is. Number one, you've got to trust in God. Trust in God. Now look with me at this verse again, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord. Now this is not a blind faith. The word trust here carries the meaning of being secure or confidence. We're not putting our trust in something that is unknown. But we're putting our trust in the most powerful, trustworthy, and unlimited source we have, and that is God. He is real and He is perfect. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This speaks of the whole being. This is not a half-hearted effort or half-hearted trust. But this is trusting God fully, being fully involved, absent of any doubt. It goes on to say, do not depend on your own understanding. It contrasts the command to trust with the danger of depending on our own thoughts. Now I want to revisit Abraham one more time. Actually, I'm going to do it again later on. But again, Abraham was promised a son. It didn't happen the way he thought it was going to happen. It didn't come when he thought it was going to come. And so his wife Sarah comes to him and she has an idea. She has a plan. She gives Abraham her maidservant. And through the maidservant, Abraham in his mind thought God would fulfill his promise. And so they had a son, Ishmael, through the maidservant. Well, the maidservant, I mean, the uh, son became a curse. You see, when we act on our own and we go on our own understanding, it creates problems. Remember this thought. Trust leads to obedience, but dependence on our own understanding feeds or leads to frustration. Trust leads to obedience, but dependence on our own understanding leads to frustration. I think I've shared this story before, but for those of you who had not heard it, I'm going to share it again. I knew God had called me into a life of ministry. It took me a while to fully accept that and respond to it, but I knew God had called me into a life of ministry. And so I looked at it and I thought, well, how am I going to do this? I've got a family. I'm working full time. And I thought, well, the logical thing to do here is to go to school at night because I felt like I needed education and continue to work and serve wherever God put me. And that sounded logical to me. I thought, that's the perfect plan, and that's what I'm going to do. And so I found myself working 50-plus hours a week, being gone every evening, whether it be school or at church, and basically frustrated and tired and wore out. All along the way, God had been speaking to me. But the thing he was asking me to do scared me to death because it didn't make any sense to me. But God was telling me to quit my job, resign this church, and go to school full time. The reason it didn't make any sense to me is because I thought to myself, how am I going to provide for the needs of my family? I've got two small children. I've got a house. How am I going to meet my family's needs? How am I going to pay for these things? God, how are you going to do this? 
didn't make any sense to me, and so I tried it my way for a while, and that just led to frustration. And so finally I got up the nerve, scared to death, and I turned in my resignation at the church that I was at, turned in my two-week notice at the job I'd been at for nearly 14 years, and I walked away. For nearly a year, I had very little income. But you know what? God took care of us. What I thought didn't make any sense made perfect sense because now I look back on it and those may be some of the most exciting times of my life. Some of the most exhilarating times I watched God operate in my life on a daily basis and he met our needs every time we had a need. He was always there. It's just me coming to the place where I could put my trust in him. So the question is, why should we trust God? Why should you trust God? Maybe you think you know best. Maybe you have a better plan. Maybe what you think gives you more satisfaction or confidence. So why should we trust God? Well, because God's never wrong. He's never been wrong. God's trustworthy. God has never let you down, and he will never let you down. Matter of fact, it's in his nature that he cannot fail you. God has never failed anyone, and he's never been wrong. So maybe the better question is, is not why should we trust God, but how do we trust God? Well, I want you to remember this little formula. Knowledge leads to the ability to trust. Knowledge increases your ability to trust. You say, what do you mean? Well, that not only works in our relationship with God, but it works in your relationship with other people. It works in your relationship with other things. The more you know about someone, the easier it is for you to trust that person. The more you know about an investment, the easier it is to invest in that. But the more you know about God, the closer you draw to Him, the more intimate your relationship is with Him, the easier it is for you to trust Him. So how do we get to know God? Through His Word. You know, we live in a day and age where, for some reason, the Bible has become optional. Not only in our personal lives, but even in some of our churches. I still believe that the Bible is still central to our Christian lives and to the church. I still believe there is nothing in our lives more valuable that has been given to us than the Word of God. So I think we need to put down our phones or iPads or tablets or whatever it is that you look at. And I know you can have the Bible on that too. I know all that. Turn off the TV and get in the Word of God. Because the Word of God tells us everything we need to know about God. It tells us everything we need to know about having an intimate relationship with an almighty, powerful God. And again, the more you know, the more you learn, and the closer you draw near to Him, the easier it is for you to trust Him. But when we walk at a distance from God, we're not in His Word, and we're not growing in our knowledge of Him, it becomes much easier to depend on our own understanding. 
And when we depend on our own understanding, that leads to what? Frustration. Frustration. That's why there's so many Christians today walking around frustrated, upset, mad, because they're constantly leaning on their own understanding. Because they don't know God well enough, or they don't have a close enough relationship with God, or they don't have an intimate relationship with God. They're not learning and they're growing spiritually. And because of that, it's hard for them to trust in God. Doubts creep in. Reasoning becomes more attractive. And we start operating with our own understanding. And when we do that, we get frustrated. You know, there's going to be days when things just don't make a whole lot of sense to you. There's going to be periods in your life when you're going to look around and you're going to say, how did I even get here? You know, what happened? And you're going to get on your knees and you're going to begin to pray. And you're going to want to get a word from God. Not only do you want a word from God, but you need a word from God. Because life has become so hard and so difficult. And God may ask you to do something that makes absolutely no sense to you. And at that moment, you're going to have a decision to make. Am I going to trust Him? Or am I going to operate based off my own understanding? The problem with doing that, operating off your own understanding, is this. You can be wrong. You can fail yourself. You're fallible. God's perfect. So guys, even when it don't make any sense to you, I want to encourage you today to put your full trust in God. And when you put your trust in Him, you're going to be incredibly amazed at what God can do and will do in your life. And so first of all, we've got to trust Him. Secondly, we've got to submit to God's will. Look at verse number 6. Seek his will in all you do. Now some other translations, instead of the word seek, have knowledge or submit. It's an expression that calls for absolute obedience and surrendering of oneself or life. So we are seeking him with our life with a totally submissive heart. Submitting to his will. And then it goes on to say, and he will show you which path to take. And so this comes with a promise. When an obedient faith is present, he will lead us in the right direction. If we'll completely submit ourselves to his will. Now again, I want to go back to Abraham. Again, at the age of 99, Abraham and Sarah gave birth to Isaac. The promise that was given Abraham years and years before that was this, is that God would give him descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Don't say that three times real fast. because <laughs> Sand on the seashore. But that looked impossible for Abraham because he didn't have one son, much less multitudes of descendants that come from that. But guess what? From Isaac came Jacob. From Jacob came the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Israelites became as numerous as the stars in the sky and as numerous as the sand on the seashore. 
And so God fulfilled his promise. Here's something I want you to notice. Abraham wasn't there to see that promise fulfilled. Now, could have God fulfilled that promise in Abraham's lifetime? Sure, he could have. But he chose not to. So what does that tell us? That tells us it's not about us. It never was about Abraham. It was about God. It was about the fulfillment of that promise that he had given to Abraham. But it wasn't about Abraham. Because you see, when we begin to think that it's about us, then all of a sudden the attention becomes on us. Or becomes about us. And not about God. We begin to look at submitting to self and submitting to our own will. Listen to this. When we submit to God's will, God takes over. When we submit to God's will, God takes over. Another time in my life when I really didn't understand what God was doing but I had to simply just submit to his will for my life at that moment was just a few years back. I had been at my former church over 13 years. I was very comfortable there. But all of a sudden, I began to feel that God was dealing with my heart about moving. It was one of the most difficult decisions I've ever made in my life. I had built relationships. I loved those people. They loved me. It was tough. But I began to feel that God was dealing with me in my heart about what I needed to do from there and, and moving forward. And, and so I did what I thought was the right thing to do. I put my resume on the convention website. I thought that's the way God works. He operates through websites, I'm assuming. And so I put my resume on there. And believe it or not, there's a few churches started calling. There's some desperate churches out there. I'm talking from North Carolina to Georgia and few other places around about and I talked to him I even went to interview with one and good people but when I began to pray about it I just couldn't get any peace so I thought God I'm confused I don't understand what you're trying to do here well all along I had a good friend of mine he's also my worship leader he was a school bus supervisor now this is going to sound crazy but this is the way God works and he had talked to me about taking a part-time job driving a school bus. So I thought, why in the world would I want to do that? <laughs> Make a little extra money maybe. But for some reason, I felt like God was telling me to look into it. So I did. And they were desperate for school bus drivers. They still are, I think. And so I went through the application portion of that. I went through the training. And I got my school bus CDL. And I got a position over at Seneca High School with a school district, and I started driving a school bus. Let me just say this. I know some of you, there's some school bus drivers here at the church. I have the utmost respect for you. I do. I mean, if you've never, when you see a school bus driver come down the road, you give them a thumbs up, you wave at them, give them a bottle of water, something. Because you don't know what it's like to drive a bus with 40 elementary school kids behind you jumping on seats going crazy and you're looking in the rearview mirror I don't know how in the world they see where they're going because you're constantly looking in the rearview mirror trying to get those kids home safely without losing your insanity it's, 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 a, it's a miracle how they're able to do that 
And anyway, God began to lead me in that direction, and I started driving a school bus. I didn't understand what was going on, but it wasn't long after that, uh, after I began the school year, uh, that I got a phone call from Ronnie, and, and Ronnie began to talk to me about a possible part-time position here at the church. Well, I've always felt like I was a full-time person, wanting to be full-time, and but I had, at this point, become open to whatever God wanted me to do. I had submitted his will. And, and Lord, if he wanted me to drive a school bus, I'd drive a school bus. If he wanted me part-time, I'd go part-time. It didn't matter. And so it took months, but that opportunity finally presented itself. And to make a long story short, I took a part-time position here. So here I am driving a school bus. I'm working part-time here. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life, driving a school bus and working part-time at Golden Corner Church. That's, that's uh, where God's got me, and that's where I'm going to be for, for the rest of my life. Well, it wasn't long after that, uh, and, and Mark had mentioned something about shade tree ministry to me before, but it never dawned on me that God was going to work this way. But Mark had made an announcement to the church that God had led him to go full-time with shade tree ministry. I think six months after I had come, somewhere along there, and so Mark stepped away from the church, and he began Shade Tree Ministry, which he's still doing today and doing well. And that opened up the door for me to become full-time here. So after only one year of driving a school bus, thank goodness, <laughs> I became full-time here at Golden Corner Church. You know, I would have never, ever mapped out that way of getting here. But it was God's will, I fully believe. I even learned something driving the school bus that year. I don't want to do it again, and uh, that's what I learned. But I learned something even more. Not only is God trustworthy, but God's worthy of my submission. He is worthy of my submission, that I can submit to him without worry. When we release ourselves to do what God has purposed for our lives, we will fully experience the power of God through our lives. But until we come to that point and we are willing to submit ourselves and to release ourselves to the will of God, you're never going to fully see God operate in your life. You want to see God move? You want to see God do something mighty? You want to see God do something incredible in your life? Well, you've got to first come to the point where you come to the end of yourself and you're willing to fully engage and surrender yourself to the will of God and whatever the will of God may be. Wherever he sends you, whatever he asks you to do, you're willing to do because you're fully surrendered and invested and involved in whatever it is God wants to do in your life. And until you get there, you're never going to truly fully see God operate in your life. We've got to submit. problem is we have a battle within us that is constantly fighting we struggle with the flesh and we struggle with the spirit we have the spirit within us we have the flesh within us and there's a battle there that's constantly warring within inside of us so how do we surrender how do we commit how do we submit our lives to God in a way that we can do so consistently without the flesh interfering and pulling us away. There's a simple thing you probably know about. It's called prayer. 
And the more time you spend in prayer, the more time you spend on your knees, the more submissive you become. The more time you spend with God, the more submissive you come. And I know it's not about position or the way in which you pray, but there is something about getting on your knees. Because what you're doing when you get on your knees, you're simply symbolically saying to God, I am totally surrendered unto you. It's a show of respect. It's a show of submission. But the more we pray and the more we encounter God, the more submissive we become. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so when we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, God takes over. But when we submit ourselves to the flesh or to self, we can be influenced by all kind of outward influences, but especially the devil and evil spirits. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, we know it's from God. So what do you do when God doesn't make sense? What do you do when you don't know what to do? You trust in God with your whole heart. You're not dependent upon your own understanding. What do you do? You seek God and submit yourself to Him and allow the will of God to operate in your life and through your life. Again, life can be hard. It can be difficult. It can be unfair. It can even be sometimes brutal. And here we are just trying to follow God and we're trying to do the right thing and we're trying to be the right kind of person then all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where God doesn't make sense but it's really not that hard if we're trusted trusting him and submitted to his will so I just want to encourage you today because I don't know where you are or what you're going through or what you're dealing with or what you're facing today, but I'm sure I'm not the only one that's in a time of uncertainty in your life. I'm sure there's others uh, that are in those, that are suffering or experiencing those same kind of things. So I just want to encourage you, trust God and submit to his will. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. That you have never failed us. You've never let us down. God, you've never been wrong. But God, I want to say just from my own heart, and speaking for myself, that I'm sorry that there have been times in my life where I didn't trust you. There's been times in my life where I didn't submit to your will. God, it is in those times that I came, I became frustrated and I was defeated. 
And I want to pray for the people here today. Maybe there's someone here going through a difficult situation that you just can't understand that's extremely difficult for you right now. I know the thing to say, and most people say it, just trust in God, put your trust in God, but it's not that easy, is it? So I want to encourage you to put your trust in God. Father, we thank you that we can do so. I want to encourage you to submit and let God be God in your life. Let him show you. Father, you go with us now. And you lead us in everything that we do. And bring glory to yourself through our lives. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great week.